You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the show where we take a wander around the week in Apple, Apple News, Reviews, Technology, Associated Products and all sorts of other things that catch our eye. This is another episode of the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello all and welcome to this week's episode. Uh, well... This week, it was a bit slim pickings on the Apple News, or I thought we were going to struggle. But at the last minute, there's been a flurry of stories, so uh, we're okay. Uh, Here we are. This week, I am joined by Nick Spligosh Riley. Hello, Nick. Hi, Simon. And uh, (laughs) I am also joined by the elusive co-founder of this show, Mark Chappell. Hello, Mark. (laughs) How are we doing? It's been a while, this, isn't it? Oh, what is going on with my microphone? It, I'm freaking out a little bit because every time I speak, I'm seeing the red light come on my mixer. So it might be time to have a look at getting a microphone. <laughs> well, you're coming out all right this end, Mark. So there we go. Um, Right. Well, before we go any further, I'm going to give a big shout out to all the members of the Slack room who uh, put in stories. I don't always thank them, but every week the members put all sorts of possible stories in the Slack. And uh, to be fair, without them, uh, we'd never have half the stories we managed to turn up. So thanks once again, Slackers. Uh, Well... And also, a big thank you to our Patreon people, and there's going to be a surprise coming to our Patreon backers in the next day or so, because I've been doing video reviews. Whoa, whoa, fantastic. And you might even get to see some dancing, which I might make a continuing theme of my videos, but it depends on how drunk I get on my next review. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Beer52. Affiliate link in the show notes. Very good. Very good. Okay. Um, well, yeah, it was a it was a strange week. There was almost nothing apparently going on, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I haven't heard the show uh, from the Apple event. But can anyone actually remember anything about the Apple event? Because the only thing I can remember is how much Tim Cook winds me up on stage because <laughs> he's always reading the auto cue. <laughs> and what what makes it worse is I went back and I looked at the old Steve Jobs iPhone, uh, yeah, the original iPhone presentation, not once or maybe once, but you certainly didn't notice him looking at the auto cue. And a lot of the other presenters, if you look at the stagecraft, they don't look at the auto cue either. It's only Tim, and it winds me <laughs> right up. It really does. Well, on this occasion, Mark, we had lots of actors reading the auto cue. <laughs> real actors and you know when an event is bad when you you realize oh i'm on my phone during a keynote presentation checking facebook (laughs) (laughs) it was a good idea to break up the continuity by lights on lights off lights on lights off it is so staid i think is the word Uh, I, i have to say i by the end, I was flagging. It's like uh, the most. It didn't help that a lot of it didn't really appeal to me in the least. That's not going to help. But um... I thought it was quite interesting, actually. Uh, I've been thinking about it and, and listening to other podcasts this uh, during this last week. It's quite interesting that um, 
the, the main um, movie industry knows that the best way to sell movies is to show trailers <laughs> yeah. because yeah. they do a lot of it. Uh, and, and I must admit, you know, when you're sitting up, I've got one of these cinema passes and I've been using it, you know, so I've been going more often to make best use of the cinema, the pass that I've got. And um, you do watch the trailers and think, Oh, Oh, okay. That looks interesting. Or, Oh, that's not for me. Or, yeah. but, 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 you know, it's the trailers. If they just had a load of people standing up on stage talking about it, <laughs> you'd probably walk out or go and do something else. <laughs> and that is exactly what was happening. You got people, who was, I was on ATP and they nailed it perfectly. It's quite often they infuriatingly do. It's like they're actually describing a movie trailer or a TV show trailer. It's like, have you not got anything? to show it, it and then you you're announcing it it's going to be available in the fall and that is the bit i don't quite understand is why advance it now what what was the aim of you know announcing apple tv because we knew it was going to happen but what i, I just don't get the timing no I, I i didn't either i mean i thought and a lot of people have said the same i mean it was an announcement of an announcement to come it was a bit although you know um Carolina it, I, I said, it felt like it felt like oh our last quarterly revenue was down quick do do other stuff so it goes back up well there was if you a... look at everything that's happened like and this probably conspiracy theorism and all this sort of stuff but then the new ipads dropping a complete refresh of the mac line that dropped the um push to put services on everything which is something that you know apple have never done before but, oh, okay, yeah, you've got a service, and therefore you want it out to everywhere. It just all it, – it feels it, it feels like a reaction. I, I, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure it is a reaction. Um, Apple knows that their iPhone, the thing they've been relying on so for so long, is not selling in the numbers it was. It's still selling loads, but it's not selling yeah, quite as well as it was. And, and so they're looking – to other other places to try and find other ways of making money, and I mean that's understandable. I, I think, because the, the the problem here is not, you know, we all know that you know device lifetimes are extending when the market becomes mature and yes. the prices go up. We all know that. I mean, as I said previously, you know, in order to have an iPhone uh, XR, I had to take it over a three year contract rather than the two year contract, which I've always had previously. Um, at, at least to keep the price at you know the monthly uh, price at something I was prepared to pay. Um, yeah. And, and that's... that's exactly the point, then, isn't it? It comes down to the pricing. And I'm going to admit, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, and he he jumped on Apple right at the Intel stage of things, and he's going, you know what, Samsung and their devices are showing a bit of innovation. Yeah, I know. If you take a, if you got, a, I'm separating a, uh, separating out here the whole. Uh, privacy thing but their devices are looking quite tempting android is coming on really really well and i think it's got in android is starting to show more usefulness and more flex uh, flexibility i mean i still wouldn't go to android because a i value my sanity and my privacy and, you know why is it when i'm installing a uh let's say a drawing app or a game it wants access to my entire bloody library my pictures and everything else but... you, see, you see i think mark i think what it is is that the whole of the growth of the iphone and of of uh, ipad and on all those ios devices all came from this movement to consolidate different things all into one thing that the sort of convergence was the key word of the time 
and all that's happened. And I think even though Samsung might be trying, you know, more more adventurous things, they're still struggling a bit because really all the convergence has happened. There's very little more they're going to add into your phone that actually hasn't already been added in already. Exactly. And um, by the way, it, it has been reported if you bothered to look, but of course it didn't get trumpeted like Apple's. Uh, oh, Apple misses earning, you know, uh, call. But Samsung's revenues have taken a pounding. Yeah. Oh yeah, that didn't get re- that didn't get reported at all, did it? Yeah. Well, it got reported, but it, yes, it was it was uh, quiet. Shall we say about it? It, it didn't. Yeah. It didn't get trumpeted from the you know from the rooftop, no. did it? You know, Samsung in off. Uh, you know uh, what was it? They put out a profit warning, I think, for the quarter. Anyway, um, what what I was going to say I, I, is, I think it's just purely come down to the fact now that. That jump over the 999 mark, when you start hitting a thousand pounds, yes, yes, there's a lot of technology that, but it's like, I think they've sort of pushed that envelope now of like saying, well, how far can we push the iPhone in terms of price? Yeah. yeah. And well, I, I genuinely believe it's that, it, it's just been, I mean, when you well, start... it is, because you can pick up a laptop, can't you, for that price? A, a fairly decent laptop, okay. Not a Mac, but but you can pick well, up a laptop can, you, you for that can, price. I mean, a thousand. Well, let's face it, a, a top of the range iPhone is going to set you back more than a thousand dollars. So you yeah, are so talking, you are talking, you know, mid even mid range Apple laptops at that price. And the yeah. thing is, well, yeah. like Steve saw the value of putting stickers in a box. You know, when you got a Mac or an Apple device, you used mm. to get stickers in the box. That's no no longer a thing. That feels like an accountancy move. Steve understood, you know, putting these little extras in. And this is what winds me up about this new Apple, is that you take away the little headphone adapter dongle. You've taken away the little device um, to open up your phone. Now, maybe the liquid metal thing they took out so they can hit some sort of arbitrary, eco-friendly target thing they've got. But you're increasing the price, but then you're also portraying an image of looking quite stingy and quite miserly at the same time. And it's the old argument, like with the Mac, with the new MacBooks, you buy a MacBook and then you have to buy all the cables, which is a complete step back from what it used to be, where everything in a box get you up and running. Whereas here's a little bit, and now we want some more money off you. It's I'm I'm starting to feel that the Apple that we're in now, and especially what with the, all the services, is basically that's it. They just want to be a services company. I think if they could get rid of the Mac and just have the iPad, I think they would do that. But because it's there, I don't think they can. I I think a lot of the a lot of the thing is actually is driven by the Apple are making stonking amounts of money, right? All this doom and gloom. They are making vast quantities of money. You know, every second their coffers are being flooded with cash. Um, the big thing is they're not continuing to grow at, you know, ballistic rates because you just can't. <clears throat> but Wall Street and, and whatnot, they're only interested in growth. They're not interested in you continuing to make large amounts of money. They want to see you get, getting ever bigger and making ever yeah. more money. And then this is the thing. It, it, again, this is why I keep saying, you know, it, everything that they're doing just feels like a reaction. It, like this sudden pounding of services, services, services. It just feels, I, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but it just feels like there's something more to it that maybe is profit driven. Mm. I don't know. Well, well I mean, uh, you know, it's all profit driven, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> they're, they're, they are a company after all who need to make a profit but i think i know what you're saying mark i mean i i think there's been a change in apple um certainly under under tim um 
that, that they are they've become more financially focused than they used to be. They always made lots of money, but somehow, as you say, there are little things that indicate that they're really keeping a really careful eye on the bottom line for everything that they're doing. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and that's sometimes driving their decisions rather than making better products. That's that's how I feel about it anyway. Yeah. Well, the one, one thought I've just had is think back to the last sort of few keynotes. Have you ever seen Tim look so happy and look so enthused and actually have a bit of energy about him on stage? Even when it's like there's been a new iPhone 10 and all that sort of stuff. It's been very much trot out, do his thing, walk off. You know, the guy was pretty you know, was pretty much smiling and grinning the whole way through. Yeah. Like, I I can't actually remember seeing Tim Cook, you know, full of as much energy in his life as he was on this keynote about services. That's true. Mm, that's true. That's true. Um I I thought, um, and the Tech Pinions gang said much the same that the the whole thing with, you know, rolling out Janet Jennifer Aniston and Jason Momoa and, and and Steven Spielberg and J.J. Abrams and all the rest of it was not really pitched to us, the consumers. The point of that was to um, target Hollywood and to shout out to Wall Street, look what we're doing. It does seem a strange way of doing it, though, actually using a public keynote. Yes. You know what I mean? If, you, if you're going to target executives and um, uh, people, decision makers, would you use a public keynote to do it? I mean, maybe you may, they may be right. They, that might be exactly what they're doing. It to me it just seems like a bit of a strange thing to do. The whole the whole keynote was a little odd to me because yeah. it was full of things which were. I mean, in the end of it, you know, when push came to shove, almost nothing was available now. Yeah, and that yeah, and that is exactly what I was thinking. Is like, oh, this is all good, and so we're just going to have to wait now. Okay. Yeah, in, no. with my, in my conversations with Bart last week, um, he he was very positive about it all. He thought it was it was really good, um, and and I must admit um, that uh, uh, when Bart thinks that something is really good, it's really difficult to argue with him because he's such a persuasive. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a persuasive not, person. Never, never but, it's, it's, it's almost but, like a one-handed ass-kicking contest. <laughs> Yes, because he is very persuasive. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I still come away feeling a little bit um, – and I think this I said this on the show last week, that it, part of it was um, that uh, nothing really appealed to me. Uh, n- none of it sort of appealed to me particularly. And um, and perhaps so, – so perhaps I had a – my negative opinion is, is just being swayed by the fact that I'm not going to use any of that. Much, I mean, that the, yeah, the fact that most of it didn't really, you know, do anything for me, obviously is going to colour my, my view, I'm sure. Um, but at the moment, the, the, the magazines thing is pretty much well, it's US and Canada only at the moment. Although apparently they had a huge uptake in the first 24 hours. But then again... Um, Everyone's going to try it, aren't they? You know, see what it's like. <laughs> having a huge uptake on, on a free trial is... Not necessarily that that spectacular. Um, well, I, know, I know one thing is done for me um, with the. I've got a, Apple have done this whole thing of try another two months or a month of Apple Music on us, and I sort of held off because I thought if it's going to be like iApple, where you know TV, videos, music, and all that sort of stuff, are they going to offer a free trial? You know, do I hold off on this Apple Music, or is Apple TV going to have its own sort of separate, hopefully? Um, trial free trial period 
who knows because they didn't they didn't reveal anything about pricing or exact dates or or anything uh, there we go and they also are on a bit of, they're going to be on a bit of a hiding because they're not it doesn't seem that they're going to have that many shows for what we've seen so far it doesn't look like they have that many movies so you can imagine when it gets released the sheer amount of criticism that's going to be leveled at every single program which is not which pretty much like amazon and uh, netflix won't get because they release they um release so much so apple's going to be really under scrutiny uh, for all this and I don't know. I, I think I, I like the fact that they are going down the Disney style route of no sex, movies, drugs, rock and roll and stuff like that. But I don't think that's the right target market. If you look at the people that are doing the podcast, the people that are buying the devices, that's quite a, I would guess, quite a mature sort of market. I would guess it's like the people like you, me, the the Carl Maddens, who like a bit of sci-fi. I'm, I'm obviously not speaking for everyone here, but you know they like a bit of sci-fi. They like something with a bit of edge and maybe a bit of violence, or not gratuitously. You, you know what I mean? It's adult-ish yeah. content, if that makes sense. Yeah, and, I, but I they're mean, aiming it for a family-friendly sit around the Apple TV. Mm, it's almost not sure. Uh, not sure how that's going to pan out. Um, yeah, I think I think we're just going to have to wait wait and see what the content's really like because it's hard to judge from the descriptions that they gave us. It is exactly it? what they're going to be like. No. So. The, the proof is in the eating, as it were. Um, there yes. we go. Uh, so uh, moving on a bit for some things that have cropped up this week. Uh, as I say, nearly all the stories uh, that I've picked up have come out in the last couple of days. Uh, this is one we were talking about before the show. Sonnet EGFX Radian RX 560 Breakaway Puck hits the Apple Store. And if that's I'm, not I'm a... interested in <laughs> And if that's not a mouthful, I don't know what is. Because um, I'm just on Amazon now, and you've got a Sonnet EGFX Breakaway Box Thunderbolt 3 to EGPU uh, for one nine nine, uh, Or you can get one with a built-in Radian card for, he says, trying to find a link and sort of type for three nine nine. So they're charging you um, what looks like an extra $100 for a decent graphics card. But I don't know that the Mac is a gaming platform because I, I did try. I have got my old 2011 Mac, which is way, way, way underpowered now for gaming. And everything is basically just a wine wrapper. So basically what that is for my limited understanding is you take a PC game, you package it up in a thing called wine, uh, which I can't remember what it stands for. And then basically it works. It's a recursive. So it's kind of like wine uh, is em- what st- wine stands for. Wine is not an emulator. I was in a just typical, about to say the E word as well. Then, in a typical you know Linux manner, um, it's it's um, it's a kind of emulation layer, isn't it? Yeah, and but that means that on a Mac platform where things are already like a little bit constrained in terms of graphics prowess, or at least they were, that means it's going to run slower than it should do anyway. Yeah. So, I, and and this is the thing. So, I don't know if this is actually. What well maybe it's not there to fix gaming, but this new Radeon breakout box seems to do the thing. But I don't know. I would be just tempted if I wanted to do gaming on a Mac. You get a uh, what is it? Um, you either get a PC or you get a PlayStation Xbox and use their um, live streaming thingy. So you game from your Mac desktop uh, over your LAN. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's that. But um, I'm. I also wonder. I also wonder whether it's for people who need to drive multiple displays because I noticed it's got one Thunderbolt and three Display Ports off it. 
uh, and an HDMI, I believe. And an HDMI. That's yeah, it. So... In, in this in this article, um, right, a less expensive external GPU option for Thunderbolt 3 Max, the Sonnet EGFX Breakaway Puck Radeon RX 560, <sighs> uh, is now available through <laughs> Apple's online store. Um, it can handle four 4K monitors. It has four gigabytes of GDDR5 VRAM, three DisplayPort 1.4, and one HDMI 2 connection. Um, and it can supply up to 60 watts of power to an attached MacBook. Um, and it's not very big, is it? It's about six by five by two. So about the sort of size of an old Mac Mini. Um, I'm just trying to figure out how I find out what version of Thunderbolt that I've got. Uh, about this Mac, more info, I think. Yep, I'm there, and I've got Thunderbolt bus, uh, vendor name, device name, UID, root string firmware, domain UUID, <laughs> ports, link status. How old is your How old is your um, Mac, uh, I'm, uh, uh, Mac Mini? Uh, late 2012. You, uh, your best bet for that, it's mate, is be, uh, it's your... Thunderbolt one, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Or maybe two. Your your best bet for that is um oh what is it? The the, the Mac database. Oh Mac Tracker. Yes. That's the one. Let's Mac Tracker. That. Everybody should have Mac Tracker. It's brilliant. It allows you to look up pretty much everything about every Mac ever made. Yeah. So um if you if you click through and have a look at this um uh this device, um it comes up with some figures that I don't really understand, but they're big figures, so they've got to be good. <laughs> it says uh, with up to t- uh, 2,750 megabytes per second of PCI bandwidth, which yeah. sounds impressive, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just suspect, um, and then it says, if you're looking for a beefier GPU option, you can pick up the breakaway puck with the RX 570 for $500 uh, from B&H Photo or Amazon. Um, I, wonder why, I wonder why they've chosen to call it a puck. Because it's because uh, the puck's normally round, isn't it? It is, but there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess compared to most GP uh, eGPU external boxes, which are tend to be like fairly hefty, don't they? They're like they look like those old sort of um, multiple HD NAS enclosures. A lot of them. Anyway, I want one. I, I, I if the reason I want one is because there's a new game coming out called Phoenix Point, and I really want to play it. Uh, but I've got the choice now of either spending about four hundred dollars on a um, on this box, or I hack together a gaming PC for almost the same amount of money. Mm. Right. I don't know. I, I mean, so I the, so the the B and H website I'm on says no shipping to the United Kingdom. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you. Um, <laughs> well, I, I I suspect like you, Nick, it, it's not really pitched at gaming. I suspect it's pitched at um, the ability to power a host of large screens. Yeah, it might have been useful for the uh, the uh, problems we I've been having down at church, with, and um, <laughs> which are still ongoing. <laughs> and it's probably also, um, I, I would think, pitched at people who want to do video editing. And um, yeah, could be that that kind of thing. And need that kind of yeah. Um, that. yeah, there we are. But anyway, that's. I mean, you, as you said uh, before the show, Nick. You know that seems quite pricey to you, but um, relatively speaking, for that sort of uh, device, four hundred dollars is relatively cheap. Um, I suppose so. A lot of those, but particularly if you're things, buying it for a business or something like that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those external things go for you know way more money than that. I mean, some of those, some of the big PC graphics cards will set you back, you know. Five hundred dollars or whatever. 
Oh, just taking a look now on eBay, they're they're holding. <clears throat> excuse me, they're holding their money quite well as well. Mm. I mean, it's pretty wrong. I know I'm certainly very negative about this, but it's good to know it's you know to finally have that there. But <clears throat> again, you got to wonder why has the Mac had such relatively underpowered GPUs since right. pretty much the beginning of time? I mean, underpowered in sense of raw benchmarking. In yes, you have got. Um, things like oh, Swift in Metal to make the most out of it. I, I then, just don't. Th- I don't. I just don't think it's been on Apple's um, radar. I don't. I, I don't think that it's been particularly important to them because I, because gaming has never been a big thing for them on the Mac. No, and also I don't. Apple always tend to. I I think Apple very much pitch their most of their machines to be the sort of most useful to the largest number of people. Yeah. And if you, I mean, you know, let's face it, we all know Apple kit is not cheap. And if you start sticking high-end graphics cards in all of your machines, you're going to jack the price up by another three, $400. And for most people, most people don't care. Don't mm. forget that. You know, your average user really does not care. They're not doing that sort of thing. Um, yeah, as long as, as long as when they click on something, it happens almost immediately. That's all they really yeah. worried about. You know, <laughs> as long as as long as their YouTube videos play without stuttering, you know, um, then they're fine. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, if you do, if you're interested in that, apparently it is uh, now coming to the Apple Store. Um, I'm going to skip over one and say uh, Apple is exploring an updated version of MagSafe. One of the best charging inventions ever. And this is on, uh, you can find this other places, but this one's on Mark's favourite website, The Business Insider. Oh, I'm not touching this because I've gone straight into it. Number one, we'd like to send you notifications with the latest news and updates. Turn that off. Turn it off. I know, but I'm getting to it. Then it goes, it looks like you're using an ad blocker. Yeah, you're damn right I am, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, um, they are... Why? I just no. I don't know. I'm I'm staying out of this one. <laughs> anyway, uh, you can find it other places. Um, this I think pretty much comes down to a uh, patent. Um, Apple apparently did not think the old MagSafe solution was safe enough or efficient enough. Um, and I wonder why. I'm sure that's not the feedback they got from their users. No, it says in the patent application, Apple describes a smart charging system where the connector will be able to dynamically attract or repel the connector to and from the device. Oh. Um, Apparently, old magnetic connectors like MagSafe would get damaged because they stayed attracted throughout a jolting event. Um, Well, I have to say that uh, I don't think I've ever damaged a MagSafe uh, cable by tripping over it, but I've certainly, you know, saved my laptop multiple times when my kids have come... Connector, then have my whole laptop go pummeling to the floor. Yeah, exactly. Right, you know, um, the number of times my kids have come thundering through, and it's like, watch my cable. Um, well, I'm glad they're thinking about it because, in all honesty, I think everyone, I don't think, I can't think of anyone I've ever heard say, "Oh, MagSafe, that was rubbish." No, because it, it wasn't. Con- it was brilliant. Considered. Um, <laughs> and again, it's interesting that we we're all assuming, or a lot of the people assumed that MagSafe was removed because it was like a very Tim cookie thing to do, like something's useful. Is it making us any margin? No, remove it. Where it could have actually been 
a legitimate issue with a patent or something like that. But we're already jumping to the fact that, oh, this is just Apple being cheap. And that's a sort of mantra that I'm sort of getting a bit worried I, about. That. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the, the main reason was because they wanted to go to USB-C. Um, yeah. And they wanted to only have, you know, USB-C. Um, I it was in personally, the, it was in their drive, wasn't it, to get as rid of, get rid of as many yeah. ports as possible. I mean, if you have a USB C uh, powered Mac, there are people like Belkin will will sell you a small USB um, plug that goes in and has then has a MagSafe out connector. So obviously, it doesn't go flush into your Mac, but it goes almost flush. And then they, you know, they have a magnetic cable that attaches to that. So effectively, they're putting a USB C. Um, dongle on the end of a MagSafe. So you can buy those. You can buy those online. Yeah, yeah there's been a few sort of startup y type things, but it's they've obviously got a vision and we're not worthy enough to know it or see it. Well yet. according so to this we... they have said here, MagSafe used to have a little light on the plug which turned orange if the computer was connected and charging or green if the computer was charged. Apple says That's this right. visual indicator is constantly on and wastes power and decreases <laughs> the efficiency of the portable electronic devices receiving power. What, oh, one dear, LED? Man. Really? That seems a bit... Um, anyway, I mean, gee, that's a patent. I mean, in patents, you write all sorts of... Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, so, but then surely there's got to be a way to show an indicator in the software or put it somewhere so we yeah. can see something or have a setting. It's not insurmountable. It's just... I don't know. It just feels like Apple just doesn't want to do it. Well, according to this patent, Apple's patent describes this smart ch smart charging system would be able to operate with a smartphone, a wearable device, smartwatch, tablet, personal computer, etc. Um, so from what from what you've said, it sounds like they're going to put the same sort of technology into it that is in hard drives, where the heads retract when it feels that it's being dropped. I think, yeah, the the uh, idea is... And, and this will actually repel the thing so it actually disconnects. Yeah, as far as I can tell, part of the idea of this is that, it, you know, when it detects a tug, it will yeah. actually reverse the magnetic polarity and spit the uh, spit the connector out. Um, clever idea. It's a clever idea. And they're talking about the connection being indicated by a haptic. Seems a little OTT to me. You're going to put a haptic <laughs> engine in the end of the thing, and just just like Mark says, just bring it up on the screen. Anyway, I, there we I go. Tell you what, I tell you something completely unconnected, um, uh, uh, and absolutely brilliant. But I mean, it's connected in the sense that it's about haptics. Um, uh, I was paying for something on my uh, on my watch today, uh, and one of the things I really love about it is sometimes it's a bit awkward to get to the. For some reason, Marks and Spencers seem to decide to put their um, their chip on on the right hand side of the the reader, which is really difficult to get your your yeah. wrist into. Um, so the the guy turned it over for me, and I, I turned my wrist over and put my watch down. And of course, the nice thing is it buzz it gives you a little buzz when you're paying when it's it's it's, it's paid correctly. And uh, I just thought it was really clever because you don't actually have to see the watch to know that you've actually paid. No. Oh, that was clever. Clever stuff. Yeah. So um, there we go. I, if, if they do bring it back, I'd be really happy because, yeah. um, I mean, I don't have any devices uh, new enough not to have MagSafe. Um, I'm still sad when they took it away. Uh, my current laptop has MagSafe 2 connector. Um, 
and I, w- I was looking on Amazon, and I might buy myself for about £10 um, a MagSafe 1 to MagSafe 2 adapter because I've got several old MagSafe 1 chargers laying around which are oh, right. currently no use and um, only one MagSafe 2 charger that came with this laptop. And if I bought a £10, you know, uh, 2 to 1 snap-on dongle, I could uh, I could make use of the other chargers and not have to keep fishing the one out of my bag every time I need a charger, which would be quite nice. Um, mm. There we go. Um, so the other story, of course, was Apple has hired Google AI expert Ian Goodfellow to direct machine learning. Um, again, you can find this all over the web. Uh, like we've said before on this show, you know, these kind of hires happen all the time. These kind of top of the field guys and women, no doubt, move from, you know, place to place uh, following what catches their interest, I think. Um, but Goodfellow apparently is known for inventing the generative, generative adverter, adversarial network, networks or GANs. Um, which, oh, yeah, those old chestnuts. Well, no, they're the, that, <laughs> those are the things we were talking about the other week, the ones that generate the, um, you know, this person does not exist uh, photos. And um, the thing that uh, allows that allows people to just draw like really childish sketches, oh, and then oh yes, then it does all the AI processing, so you can draw some hills and a bit of white, and it will create a vista. Um, yes, with yeah, which I, is that out in the public domain yet? No, it's no, just still no. It, there's only a, there's only videos of no. It's a real thing, but it's it's not something that you can um, do yet. There's videos of it around, but that's that's generated by a GAN, um, and that would that was um, I don't know it was it was at some some trade do wasn't it? There, there are videos of them doing it. You yeah, you draw like a, a bit of brown and say this is a mountain, and a bit of blue and say this is water, and and so on. I get I get the impression you know that um, that they these news items tend to throw around the word AI oh, against yes. all all sorts of things. Um, it's a little bit like um, these days, um, the word robotics has been um, stolen, if you like, by people who do automation. Mm. Uh, it's now called robotics in the in, in business. Um, and I, I just think it's a bit strange because it's got nothing to do with robots. Not really. <laughs> well. it's, there's no robots walking around. It's about automation. And, and and I think AI is a little bit the same, really. They tend to put AI in front of all oh, sorts of Oh, they do people. indeed. They do indeed. Very, uh, and they're not. Nece- it's not necessarily AI as such. It's just no, it, it's it, it might be related learning. to AI. Yeah, it, it's all machine learning. I mean, this this guy actually. I mean, what did they say? Um, you know, they keep saying, he is a director of machine learning. He's not. You know. Um, right. Of course, there's a I load just, of speculation because what, he's been hired for the special projects group. Ah. Okay. I just wonder I just wonder we keep hearing a lot about AI and about how um Apple are going to use this and it's the future of, you know, what Apple is going to do, but we haven't seen an awful lot of it, it and seems like, to me. And also this all this augmented reality uh bits in bobs as well. True. Yeah. Uh, we we keep getting we keep getting some clever games at um keynotes and things, but uh I mean, it's it could be, of course. It's in the background of an awful lot of stuff that we're using. We're just not aware of it. You're just not aware of it a lot of the time, I think. And yeah. also, I think when people talk about AI, a lot of it is machine learning. It's not really AI. And yeah. some of it is 
is kind of AI, but it's it's very specific. There's a big there's a big difference between some kind of AI, you know, doing a focused task and general AI as we kind of think of it in the sci-fi yes situation, you know, of uh, of actual um something that seems to think for itself. Yeah, yep. or something that, you know, appears to behave in a humanistic manner. That mm-hmm. can, you know, that kind of general AI and um and uh, artificial personality and artificial being. Um there's a long it, it's a bit like the thing about self-driving cars. Okay, there's all this talk about self-driving cars and actually I've realized I don't think the change to self-driving cars will come along in in the manner of that a lot of people seem to think that like electric vehicles, suddenly somebody's going to come out and say, here's a self-driving car, right? You can go out and buy this self-driving car and it's got no steering wheel and, and no pedals. You just get in it and tell it where you want to go. That's not how it's going to work. That's not how it's going to work. You think about your car now, like my car, you know, it, it's got, um, it's uh, electronically engine managed. It's got traction control. It's got, um, you know, suspension control. It it does all sorts of things. I, I can I can. Um, it's fully automatic gearbox. It has paddles, but if you attempt to change the you know up or down a gear when it's outside the sensible range, it won't allow you to do it. Um, you know the government are talking about putting intelligent uh, speed limiters into cars so that um, with GPS they will know what the speed limit oh, is on the road. That was coming down the road, pardon the pun, <laughs> ages ago when it was insurance companies saying, we're going to put this black box into your car, but what we'll do, we'll, we, we'll give you a bit of a discount, but we'll put this black box into your car, which is going to track every single movement you do. And that was fine because it was an insurance company, but Apple stores a map of cell towers. Apple is tracking your every move. Oh, yeah. But what I'm saying is I, I think this thing will be incremental, gradually, you know, gear changing, um, managed acceleration, managed braking, you know, uh, managed speed control so you can't go over yes. the speed limit. I think this... I know what you're saying. And then eventually it'll all come together. Into, well, into these a... things will just be added and added incrementally like onion skins over the top until eventually you realise that actually you're not really doing anything other than sitting in the driving seat. And that, that there actually yes. is a safety yeah. precaution. You may be right. Well, it's uh, like planes. Planes can fly themselves. You don't need a pilot. The, all the technology is there. It's just that could you ever imagine getting onto a plane without a pilot? Yeah. It's it's the whole thing about yeah, we have this thing about humans are safer, which is true to some sort of extent. But um, when I was in Dubai, they're saying a lot of pilots are saying, you know, we're literally just there because it's a good insurance. Um, mm. Yeah, we've got to be there for insurance purposes. Well, there you go. I'm just saying I'm pretty. I, I the more I've thought about it, the more I've realised that it's unlikely that somebody will come out with a self-driving car just like that. It will be a, a matter of you know one step after another until. Yeah, I think you're right. And then people will just say, "Well, why is that? Why am I even bothering to have to hold this steering wheel because I don't do anything." Um, yeah, we'll just get, as you say, we'll just get closer and closer and closer. I mean, and the, the way that um, the industry has broken it down is to these it is in different levels. Yeah. Um, so, you, you know, you have level one automation and level two automation and level four automation is when it all comes together. And level um, five and automation is a full driving, you know, just get in it and tell it where you want to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I, I'm, I've realized that, yeah, it's unlikely that a car per se will just appear 
and be the first self-driving. It won't work like that. The industry will just keep adding and adding things and taking away things from human control. It will add things like, you know, other vehicle detection and space management and, and you know, all those things so that cars, you, you can't get to, you can't tailgate the bloke in front. You can't get too close to the car, you know, yeah. on the, you, you well, won't well, be able to. Which you quite won't a lot be, of cars can already do these days. Yeah, so. you won't. You won't Pretty be optional. able. To, you know, you won't be allowed to try and change lanes when there's somebody within your blind quarter, and so on. Yes, and eventually, yeah. as more and more of those things happen, it, the driver will effectively have less and less control um, hmm. until such point as the car is basically driving itself. There we go. Um, so anyway, they've hired this guy in Goodfellow and he's gone to the uh, special projects group. Um, and therefore there's a lot of speculation that he's working on the car, but special projects I'm sure can, t- can cover anything. I, I, I thought Project Titan was cancelled. Remember all those mass layoffs no, and all that no, sort of no. stuff? There was all that talk about that. They didn't, they didn't cancel it. They just refocused it or moved on to another Pivoted. state. Pivoted. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, God, I feel sick now. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, okay. Uh, who's seen the ad about the scrappy group of co-workers doing a round pizza yeah. box? Who's watched? Have you watched that, boys? Yes. No. Did you not watch it, Mark? It's... I, I have, I've literally had no idea. Oh, I can't because straight in and weak. We value your privacy. Well, we, no, you don't we, want to. Don't. Partners... Yeah, no, that's just about oh. it. There's, there's no link to the video there. Follow the YouTube link if you want to actually watch it. Um, it's it's quite long. It, it's also uh, Adweek have described it as better than most sitcoms. That's the point, and it is a uh, it's a very clever little sort of what two minute film or something. Three minute yeah, film. Describe it as a short film, a short movie, wouldn't you? Yes, it yeah, is. It's, it's very uh, much. It's yeah. it, it's not an well, advert got, in the in the I, classic I love sense. these because I'm just looking at it and they've like they've got the target demographic of you must have X amount of white British American LGBT color creed race in one classroom. Yeah, oh yeah, you were looking at the one about um the homework one. The homework, yeah, yeah. Anyway, the the, the um. Strangely, the homework one, I don't know if that's older, but I've never seen that touted anywhere. But this this um, co-workers, you know, uh, developing around pizza boxes has made things. Partly, of course, because the pizza box that they're making is the pizza box that Apple patented a couple of years ago or a year year or so ago. Yeah. What I, what I quite liked about it was that it, it wasn't... It wasn't blatantly Apple. There were just lots of little sl- things slipped into it. You know, uh, where someone says, oh, I'll, I'll air, what, yeah, airdrop I it to called. me. Yeah. I'll airdrop it to them. Things yeah, like that. You know, all the, like that. The, oh, oh, yes, of course, they're using Macs. You know? And that was also, <laughs> was quite clever. there was also some clever bits. Like the, the, there was the bit where the guy's at home and he's on his Mac and he's looking at the pie chart or whatever that he's, you know, designed for the presentation. And then all yeah. of a sudden there's like purple scribbling all over it. And he looks round <laughs> and his small child has got that iPad, which is obviously in sync and he's yeah. drawing on it with, drawing the, you know, with the pencil. It. And he's like, can I have that back, please? You know? <laughs> I, I do like it when they do sort of things. There's a lot of shows on Netflix where the laptop um, lid pops up and it's like Samsung, Sony, not so much Apple. In fact, yeah, I haven't seen many Apple uh bits on tv uh, products on tv and it's I, it always makes me laugh like they're trying to do it like you just said simon where it's it's natural where you know oh, i'll just airdrop it or share this with you or let me just open up that app 
Whereas on TV, I just love how cheesy it is where the camera is slightly down lower to give you a straight on angle look at the product. <laughs> anyway, there we go. So th- those are both worth a look. The the um, one is called uh, Apple at Work, I think, which is the one about them uh, developing a, uh, a pizza box. <laughs> I'll tell you what, they don't actually, sorry, Simon, to interrupt, they don't get that many views on their YouTube channel. And I'm just looking at one here, how to shoot with stage light mono on iPhone. And that's only had 116,000 uh, views. That's, yeah, that's quite a few. Um, and the other one that I found was called Homework, which basically just played automatically after I'd watched the, the one about uh, Apple at work. Um, and that was good as well. It's about a load of kids doing... Um, you know, doing a, a project. project. Yeah. And, and that's funny as well, isn't it? There's the, um, I, I particularly like the bit where they drop the egg and the watermelon off the bridge and they use slow-mo <laughs> on the, yes. they use slow-mo to film the two, uh, objects hitting the ground at the same time. And of course the watermelon bursts and goes everywhere. And then you see that kid licking the watermelon off his iPad. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that, that was amusing. So yeah, n- you know, nice, nice work nice work and again not rather than actively kind of saying all the time you know you can do this and you can do that they just show them doing it and without saying anything at all um there we go uh apple have always uh, their advertising has always been a little bit different to everybody else hasn't it somehow they've always found an, an unusual angle or a, a and, and they often talk about what you can do with their equipment rather than look at our equipment and how powerful it is yes very much uh, so. Which I've always liked about Apple. It's the, you know, the, the best way to sell your stuff is to say, look what you can get done. Yeah, very much so. And um, it, it, if you listen to uh, the cult cast from the Cult Mac guys. I do know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, at the start of that, uh, Earthon nearly always plays an old Apple advert of some sort. Oh, he does, yes. Often, you know, often from the sort of 80s or whatever. Um, and they're all very much about but they're all again very much about what you can do you know how much macintosh will help you rather mm. than oh it's got all these specs and it does this and it does that and we've got this and that just yeah, and it's more powerful than <laughs> yeah no yeah none of that is yeah. it it's you know suddenly you know suddenly monitoring accounts will get the reports done quicker and uh, you know joe in the post room will come up with a brilliant presentation and all that sort of thing um and, and it's a it's and this is but let me try that bit again, shall we? <laughs> Going back to my 2011 iMac has made me appreciate my slightly newer Mac Mini because I haven't got AirDrop. And like I think what you just said, Nick, about how they it sneaks up on you. Not having AirDrop is a major pain in the backside. Because I had to go back and think, I've got this image, but now I want to get up on my Mac to do some work on it. How am I going to do that? And I thought, am I going to email it? And then I ended up having to jump through this thing and save it to files. But of course, you can't create a folder if you're saving an image. You have to come all the way back out, go into files, create your folder, go back to the app, and then share it into the folder you've just created. So I, I just thought as an interesting aside that I missed AirDrop. Mm. Do you know, I don't think I've ever used AirDrop. No, nor have I. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. For swapping uh, links, pictures... Uh, images. Like I was out uh, yesterday with some friends, and I took my iPhone 10 with me and was using portrait mode. And it was like just so good to be able to go, here you are, being done, sent, without having to send it by messages and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, cool. So, um, what else have we got? 
Oh, uh, well, Steve Troughton-Smith um, says, apparently, that Mac OS 10.15 may see the iTunes app broken up into chunks. Um, I tend not to go much into rumours, uh, but this is uh, Steve Troughton-Smith, um, and he has said, uh, although he does he does actually end his statement with grains of salt, etc., um, in a tweet, Steve Trouton Smith said, I am now fairly confident, based on evidence I do not wish to make public at this point, that Apple is planning a new, likely UI kit based music, podcasts, and perhaps even books apps for Mac OS to join the new TV app. Uh, I expect these four will be the next wave of Marzipan apps, grain of salt, etc. Um, there we go. It'll be. You can sort of see where they're coming from on this because you know, you've got Apple TV, you've got Apple Music. So splitting them up then what would be the what would be the purpose of iTunes? Well, if they I, take all this content out, what would with like you know the music would it just be for music again or would it go back down to that? I I think what they're talking about would actually be you know destroying it, uh, iTunes altogether. So actually no more iTunes at all. Well, there might be an iTunes store, I suppose. You might it might be the iTunes store, but I, I suspect it if that's what they're going to do, you're going to have a books app, you're going to have a music app, you know, like on iOS. Yeah. I mean iOS doesn't have iTunes per se, does it? There's an iTunes store app that most people bury somewhere in the <laughs> you know, last screen in the folder of I never use this stuff. Um This is this is a, a perennial. I mean I, I know yeah, we, that Steve Trouton Smith might have his finger on the pulse, but it is a perennial, isn't it? This is something that comes up quite often. It, it is, and there have been lots of people who've suggested that it's, you know, reasons why it should be broken up, and then there have been plenty of counter-arguments as to why it shouldn't. Yeah, most of the arguments are around the fact that it grew so... Um... In such a higgledy piggledy way, yes. <laughs> it would be really horrible to uh, to take to pieces. Yeah, but I I, I think maybe you know I, the marzipan thing could be the clue, which I I assume is what he's talking about because on yeah, iOS maybe. you have a music app, you have a books app, you know, um, you have a TV app. Seem, but to looking at the state of marzipan apps now, that would be one hell of a jump. To go from the current state of marzipan apps now to oh you know what this is going to be your main um, your main one of your main apps so if they are doing that then Apple must have some confidence in what they're doing well mm. I'm I'm pretty sure uh, uh, of course uh, you know I don't know anything more than what's been said there and it could be a case of um, they could start off with you've got these apps or you can still go through iTunes. They could do it that way to start with, couldn't they? They could break them out as as kind of alternatives. I yes. mean, who who yeah. actually you know who actually uses well, like, iTunes? Like they did the podcasts app. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who you know who actually uses iTunes all that much? I don't. No, I don't. To be honest, if I click on something and I see iTunes accidentally launching, I'm, I'm you know, I'm straight down onto the dock, right clicking, going force quit. I don't bleed iTunes. Yeah, uh, and you all. And in all honesty, at one time it was vital because you couldn't update your phone without it and you couldn't sync without it. But all of that's gone away now. 
and, and he's and it happens outside of uh, iTunes. About the only thing you know that you might want to use iTunes for pretty much these days is um, if you want to make a local backup of your phone, which I do do occasionally. Um, particularly if I get a new phone or something, I'll I'll go into iTunes to back up this phone to my machine. You know, then I'll back it back up to iTunes. Uh, sorry, to iCloud. And then yeah. I'll update the phone or, or, you know, change over to my new phone. And that's only a kind of a safety net in case something goes wrong with the with the iCloud sync. Um, and then usually once I'm done with that and I'm happy that my new phone or whatever is working fine, I go in and chuck the bloody local backup away. Um, no, I, I admit I don't play music very much. I don't, you know, I don't have an Apple music subscription. I don't have a Spotify uh, thing. Um I've always find it. I don't know whether anyone else has found it this way, but I've always found it vaguely annoying that when you try to play anything musically, it loads it into iTunes. Mm. It, I've always found that you know, if you click on a music link in on a web page, suddenly you're in iTunes, and you think, oh, why is it doing that? Yeah, <laughs> I've always found it that uh, a little bit annoying. Um, you know, I don't play a lot of music through iTunes. Um, on my phone, I've got a, a completely different um, music player um, because I find the music app blatantly annoying. Um, and I can get Apple Music now on uh, on uh, my Amazon Alexa, which is nice. Yes, that that's something else that's happened, doesn't it? Um, Apple Music, uh, you know, now that Amazon and Apple have stopped trying to poke each other's eyes out. Oh, this one isn't in the show notes, is it? Um, I, did anybody see that apparently um, Amazon are going to launch some, uh, you know, uh, AirPod-esque um, earbuds? Oh, yes, I saw yeah, about it. yeah, yeah. That's, that's going to be interesting. I really hope that they, they do pull through something because Apple have had that market for quite a while. And I've got to say, I love my AirPods. In fact, I thought I lost them the other day. And such was my blind state of panic about having to think, hmm, going to have to have a thing with a cable what mm. sort of monster am i going to be i was almost <laughs> about to pull the plug and go you know what i'm going to uh buy another set i absolutely love them i wish they were better for recording uh like in a microphone setting mm. so if i'm driving around i could record some audio for a podcast or something like that um i've never been on the other end of a phone call with someone using airpods i don't know what it sounds like but absolutely love them um I forget who it was. Somebody recently, though, came on the podcast and um, said, all I've got is my AirPods. Will that be all right? And um, I've, they must have been okay because I don't remember thinking, oh, my God, this is awful audio. Yeah, I mean, I've had telephone conversations with um, with my AirPods and the, the people at the other end hadn't sounded like they're having problems hearing me. No, I, th- I think that, you know. Um... I think what it gets me is it, I, in my head, because I've done a um, an audio recording using Apple Voice memo-y thingy, whatever it was called, because it sounds like such a low bit rate, it, it's now stuck in my head that that's what I sound like when I'm on a phone call to someone. I'm, I'm really hoping it's not because I spend loads of time on my phone. Well, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Don't forget that, that most phone transmissions are pretty low grade anyway. Mm. They only transmit a terribly low-grade audio telephone calls and i will admit I'm, I'm lucky enough to be able to just about to get away with um facetime audio if that, yep. is that a facetime thing this is how out of the loop i am now did the old facetime group calling thing get fixed yes 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 yes, yes. they they fixed that and that was only um for groups and uh yeah they fixed that they fixed that um 
And it was only video calls, I think. Anyway, uh, what, what else was it? Oh, yes. There's the no the, release date on the headphones, is there? No, no. Um, somebody somebody um, on Twitter said, Jeff, Jeff, please, you must call these fire ears. Which was... Um, <laughs> I thought more likely they'd be called fire buds, I would have thought. But... Um... <laughs> There we oh, go. I'm still um, saving up to get my Amazon enabled microwave just because I want to be able to say, hey, dingy, um, yeah. turn the microwave on. But then I just realized I've actually got to put stuff in there. Oh. Yeah, yeah, you do have to put the stuff in first, but yeah. Um, but yes, I thought that was quite interesting. And some people would probably say it's a, some people are probably going to say it's a me too product. But actually, you know, Amazon, if you're in that ecosystem, um, you know, with the Echo and uh, various other, you know, Fire TV stick and uh, and the other things. Um, I, I could imagine that they that could be quite a thing. You know, uh, Fire Buds with you know um, Alexa support and and all the rest. I'd certainly give them a go because uh, it's they they're allegedly going to use Bluetooth five, which I thought was a bit of a hoax. But looking into it, um, Bluetooth five seems to be a thing now. But then, if we, then when you're on the iPhone and the Apple uh, ecosphere, they seem to be developing their own chips, so they don't have to sort of worry about the, the Bluetooth specification getting updated. Like with the what was it the new H1 in the AirPods? Yeah. In fact, I haven't seen any reviews of the new AirPods for Hey Thingy, how that works with the AirPods. Has anyone heard any feedback about it at all? Um, I think if you look, there are reviews. Obviously, I don't have AirPods, so I haven't really bothered to track that. Um, they seem what I've what I have heard is seems to be that they are you know slightly better than the AirPod originals, and um, you know they connect faster and more reliably, and so on and so forth. Um, and the only criticism is that the audio is no different. Um, yeah, the uh, the fact that I've not heard any negative stuff about it must mean that they're okay <laughs> i think they're as you know some people have said they're not I, I i think the only thing i did read was somebody said they're not so much airpods 2 as airpods 1.5 yeah um, and that was about the only negative thing they could say about them really they're saying they're not you know they're not revolutionary they're evolutionary they've added the h1 chip and and this and that and it's fine what what do you expect you know um seems some people were saying they were hoping that they might be made of another a, a different material so that they were a little more ear um sticky that might be new actually nick mm. um i can't remember yeah i remember that comment as well i'm not sure it was me some somebody said something about having to put you know ear skins on to make them stick in their ears anyway yes yeah there we are um so uh talking about um fire tv and the like Netflix are removing AirPlay support. Um, I'm not sure about this. It, it would appear that perhaps Netflix and Apple are having a bit of a spat um, because Netflix have removed the AirPlay support from their app. So uh, you can no longer AirPlay uh, from, say, your iPad to your Apple TV. Um, you know, I've never uh, noticed that it... That... I've never tried, so because the the Apple TV has Netflix up anyway. Well, it does now, um, and I think this might be part of it because I used to do that when I had oh, Netflix, right. uh, but Netflix was not on the Apple TV. Uh, right, okay. And the best way, the best way to watch a Netflix program on my TV at the time, strangely, was to 
AirPlay it from my AirPlay. phone. Yeah. From my phone. If I tried to do it from my laptop, it would often, um, I don't know if the laptop tries to pull down a higher resolution version, and then it would be stuttery. But if I did it from my phone and airplayed it to the Apple TV, it was fine. So that's that strange. That is what I would often do. Um, of course, I've had no need to do that since Netflix is available on the Apple TV. Um, so, it might, it, so it may not be a hostile move. It might simply be that they've, it you was, know, you can watch it on Apple TV. Why would you want to airplay it? Um, no, what it is, it's it was just in the news this morning that um, they removed it because it now it's integrated in some way or fashion. Networks does Netflix doesn't know what device you're watching it on. Yes, now I right. read that as well. Um, the, the, I, I read an update. Uh, it might have been from Dennis Sellers. Um, Netflix issued a statement, as Mark just said, um, and they're saying that uh, at the moment, if because AirPlay is now available on a whole host of other devices rather than just Apple devices, uh, Netflix doesn't know what you're attempting to AirPlay to. Uh, not AirPlay to, AirPlay <laughs> to. And therefore, they don't, you know, they're saying that could affect the experience. And because they're all about the experience being great, um, therefore, they decided to pull it for now. So it, it could be that they are simply looking for a way to verify what the device you're trying to stream to is. Um, Maybe. Yeah, I think that that's the general gist of it, which, which is a shame. I mean, I've only ever got it to work. Oh, no, sorry, that's worked. One I haven't been able to get to work is when you're watching YouTube on your phone and then you try and flick it across to another device. Uh, that's never worked. In fact, I've got a Sony telly uh, and it's got this brilliant thing where you can beam your content to the TV, which has only ever worked once. <laughs> uh, dear, there you go. Anyway. I, just, I would love to see Netflix in Apple TV in that little box. I think that would be a... Yeah, well, they've, they have quite blatantly stated that they are not joining Apple's TV slash TV plus thing. They're quite happy in their own little walled garden. Thank you very much. And um, it's got you... an interesting, it's yeah, got go an interesting paragraph in this article, actually. It says, uh, ultimately, I don't think Netflix removing AirPlay support is going to be a big deal by itself. No. If Netflix if Netflix doesn't end up adding it back, the combination of this move, price increases and lack of TV app support might prompt some Apple fans to switch to a competing streaming service. We aren't talking large numbers, but again, this makes me wonder why Netflix is bothering. Why store up any potential negative press when they don't have to? So that's mm. a fair point. Mm. I, I unless, think... unless, as you say, it's a technical it's a technical issue. And well, I mean, they decided just to take it out. You know, their announcement initially said due to technical reasons. So, oh, oh right, okay. And, and their their explanation, you know, has been that now that AirPlay is available in other devices than just Apple, they don't know what you're streaming to, and that might, you know, impact the experience. And therefore, they've opted to pull it. I also think, you know, quite rightly, you've, you've got Netflix on your Apple TV. You can get Netflix on your on your, you know, on your well anywhere computer. really. <laughs> you can get it on your phone. You can get it on your. You know, why should you don't need to AirPlay it anywhere? So there yeah. we go. Um, right. I tell you what, chaps. Shall we take five minutes while John, uh, in the hardware store, gives us what he's got this week, and we can get a fresh cup of tea, and then we can come back and do a couple more stories and wrap it up. Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. All right. Uh, over to you, John. <laughs> What the heck was that? 
It's the 15 watt battery powered guitar amplifier with iOS USB interface and all the standard ports that you get on a typical larger amp. This one's about the size of a toaster, about five inches by eight inches by six inches. Doesn't have a handle on it. It's all black. Has a power switch, has bass, mid-range, treble, volume, gain, three different sound channels, clean, drive, and lead, which is pretty grungy. It's got USB port, headphone port, and aux port. Takes batteries that are included. Company is IK Multimedia. I-K-M-U-L-T-I-M-E-D-I-A. I-K-Multimedia.com. Product is the iRig, I-R-I-G, the iRig Microamp. Take your playing further. $150 in the U.S. It's louder than you'd expect. Covers a range of tones. You can connect it using the cables that they provide to your iPhone, your iPad, your Mac, or your PC. It includes apps that you can use to enhance the sound of your guitar. You can use it as a little portable boombox. It even has an output, so you can extend the sound to another speaker. There is an optional AC power supply that we did not get with our review unit. We're waiting for that to arrive so we can test it with the power supply in addition to the batteries that do come with the product. A pint-sized powerhouse. 15 watts power when plugged in and 7.5 watts when running on six AA batteries. Combined with a 4-inch custom voice speaker, it pumps out surprising volume at half the size of similarly powered amps. I really like it. The sound is good. I used it for my music class the other day. I didn't tell people that we weren't using our normal speaker, and they didn't know a thing. The sound was great playing music from my iPad like I normally do. Have a look at this little gem, and it will go everywhere that you do. My only suggestion is if there was some way to put a handle on it, to make it easier to carry around, that would be great. You are hearing the first but not the last of the iRig microamp from IK Multimedia. Let's hear a little bit more music. Thank you, John, as ever. And the links to that uh, mini amp will be in the show notes. Uh, and where shall we go now? Uh, let's have a look at security and privacy, shall we? Cloudflare, uh, providers of the 1.1.1.1 um, uh, DNS service, have announced Warp, a new free VPN service for iOS. Um, Several people were a bit sceptical of this because originally they announced it on April the 1st. Ah. <laughs> but it is not a joke. Uh, it is not a joke. Apparently, it's their tradition. Um, following their tradition of introducing new services on April the 1st, Cloudflare is announcing Warp, a new mobile VPN which promises to protect users' internet traffic while improving speed at the same time. Um, and this is their second service directed at consumers after the introduction of the DNS 1.1.1.1. Um, apparently, this comes after they have acquired uh, a company called NewMob. Um, while other VPNs slow down internet, Warp incorporates all the work that the team from NewMob has done improving mobile internet performance. 
Um, we built Warp around a UDP protocol optimized for mobile internet and we leveraged Cloudflare's massive global network allowing Warp to connect with servers within milliseconds. Um, it will be a free service accessed through 1.1.1.1 app. Um, they promise not to capture any user identifiable data or to sell your browsing history and will constantly perform audits. Um, Apparently, Sounds good. Yep, they have mentioned there will be a premium version of the service called Warp Plus, uh, which will be available for a small monthly payment. Um, One of the best comments I've seen about this is it was from an iTunes review, uh, and it reads, this is not a VPN per se, but the app doesn't store and need a VPN profile to function. The intention of this app is to secure DNS queries via a secure DNS server. This device won't protect a this device. This app won't protect a device against Wi-Fi or man in the middle attacks. What it will do is prevent your ISP or cellular provider spying on your search your searches and history. The developers of this app provide privacy as they don't sell the data that flows through their DNS servers. The app will also provide a faster internet experience, but this isn't guaranteed. There's anything else. Uh, ignore the trolls saying anything else blah 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 this app works very well does it speed down slow down your ping or dns well i'm not quite sure how we would test that but yeah it's it's another good privacy app we can't have enough of these and i'm one of these people now that i leave my vpn on pretty much all the time unless i have to go to my banking yep i have my i have my proton vpn on all the time um and that uh, became much easier after the uh, after Proton VPN added the always on option to the apps for Mac and iOS, whereas previously it had um, a kill switch. So if uh, if the VPN dropped, it would cut off your internet altogether. Um, they changed that, unsurprisingly, uh, due to customer. <laughs> I've got a I've got a question for you too. So before the show started, I said I've got an app here called Privacy Pro, which basically does a lot of fancy ad blocking, you know, cookie tracking, all all the stuff that tracks you. It says that it blocks and you know deals with. I installed this in November last year. I haven't had it running every day, but as of the 30th of March, how much data do you think this app has allegedly blocked or saved? Well, you did tell us, Mark, so that's a bit of a dead giveaway. Oh, no, I told you for the month, not for six oh. months. Oh, right. Uh. Mm. Well. So November, December, January, February, March. So call it four or five months. Hmm. Well, based on what you told us for a month, then I'm going to go for about two gig. About two gig, yeah. Yeah. Two point eight gig. Wow. wow. This is blocked or you know stopped the the data request, and that's yeah that's someone's data plan. I'd like, what's it for this month? Uh, I've been fairly heavy on this month. Uh, I've saved four hundred and ten meg alone this month. It's blocked. What it says here is seven thousand trackers, and I don't do that much sort of browsing, you know, other than Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I don't necessarily do a lot of time on my phone drilling deep into things. So that five hundred meg. If you imagine, you know, you got kids out there who've got an iPhone, they're on the cheapest plan possible. That's your. That's all. That's getting near to half your month's data on a cheap plan. Mm-hmm. And people wonder why we get upset about privacy because it doesn't just cost us in terms of privacy, it costs us in terms of our bloody bill and how much data we use. Yes, indeed. And of course, your load times. Um, I rely on Ghostry for that. 
Mark, um, I don't think Ghostery Light provides you with um, analytics. If you use another browser and use the um, Ghostery, I think that will actually tell you how much it how much it's blocked. Um, so there we go. Um, that's good. We'll put that in the we'll put that in the show notes, Mark. We'll put that in the uh, worth yeah, of chirps. Worth of chirps, I think, for that one. On that front, as it happens, in worth of chirps, in a few weeks ago, I mentioned Lulu, the open source uh, kind of little snitch light from Objective C S S double E. That is, um, I've been using that for some time now. Um, it's very good, very nice. Does what it says on the tin, as it were. Um, when anything wishes to reach out to the internet, you get a box comes up saying what app is uh, trying to access the internet and it just gives you um, allow, deny or temporarily. Um, obviously... Oh, uh, that, that sounds like the sort of app you would use that maybe way back when if you were installing something by Adobe and it, you see the amount of requests going back to Adobe about what you're installing. It's like, nope. Well, um, obviously the paid for little snitch is a far more comprehensive app. It has all sorts of things, profiles and rules building and all sorts. But um, that can be a little overkill for some people. Um, so I mentioned the Lulu and um, I've been using it on my laptop and uh, I, I found it very good. Um, it's very simple, uh, not as intrusive perhaps as Little Snitch can be, although Little Snitch calms down once you've set all the rules up. But uh, it's worth a, you know, worth a look if you are interested in just making sure nothing's calling home that shouldn't be. Um mm-hmm. And uh, link for that in the show notes, of course. Um, where next then? Uh, well, shall we stick with the security and privacy? So Cloudflare have announced this warp. Um, not actually available yet. I believe you have to go on the waiting list. Um, I don't know. I, it, uh, I've installed it. I haven't tried it yet. Right. Okay. Um, understanding outline. Google's new DIY VPN service. Um, and this was on VPN Pro. Um, you'd kind of think that this was a bit counterintuitive. Um, Jigsaw, formerly, I believe, Google Ideas, um, have created a tool which have, they have christened Outline, um, and it's a sort of do-it-yourself VPN. Um, it's in an early stage of development, apparently, but it's pitched mostly, I believe, at uh, journalists and possibly political dissidents. Um, it's designed to provide an off-the-shelf DIY VPN for almost any location. Um, it sounds more like an encrypted proxy service uh, because... You get a Raspberry Pi and stick that. There's loads of bait builds for uh, the Raspberry Pi to make it into a uh, VPN service. Mm. Well, apparently uh, the point of this is it obviously because it's aimed at journalists and the like... Uh, it uses a cloud platform, uh, DigitalOcean, which provides space for users to create dedicated VPN servers instead of requiring oh, yes. yeah, special I routers know. or relying on a client. Um, yeah, you're basically renting a bit of processing box at Digital uh, DigitalOcean, Ocean, yeah. Yeah. installing software and rolling it through that way. Good idea because it's um, you, you're basically getting your own VPN um, mm. for about five dollars a month if you keep your traffic down a bit. Yeah. Um, overall, there you know, is it the best VPN? Um, there's there's quite a long article here on VPN Pro. Um, they're kind of saying that um, VPN services can be too expensive for people in poorer parts of the world, but I would say at five pounds, uh, five dollars a month, it's not really a lot cheaper than something like uh, Proton VPN. And um, 
it's capped at, I believe, 500, was it 500 gig or something per month? Anyway, uh, yeah, 500 gigabyte per data for 500, although 500 gigabyte of data, I suppose, is quite a lot. Um, that said, of course, it can, in theory, be used in countries like China where VPNs are technically banned. So uses uh, a protocol called Shadow Socks. I rather like that. Yes, <laughs> yes. That's good. Um, so there we go. Uh, as they say, it's more of an encrypted proxy, really, than a, a true VPN. But um, we love Proton VPN on this show because a they came on the show and it's just bloody good software. Oh yeah, yeah, we do indeed. But you know, other people may have other choices, and there are plenty of um, good reasons, you know, to use a VPN of your choice. Um, and as we always say, just make sure they're reputable. Um, there we go. So yeah. Um, in some ways, that seems slightly counterintuitive to me, um, you know, Google, but it's from Jigsaw, who are the kind of blue sky thinking um, bunch and are not necessarily directly tied to, you know, Google's business model per se. Um, and uh, to sticking with Google, to some extent, um, the browser choice screen for Andrew, Android needs to offer real alternatives. This is from Clicks. Obviously, you know, they've got... Um, you know, they've got skin in this game. <laughs> um, but they've posted an article on their blog uh, which shows um, the interdependence uh, of various browsers and how much they rely on Google and Microsoft. Um, an interesting read. It's an interesting read. Uh, nearly, all, nearly all browsers on uh, Android are dependent on Google or Microsoft. Um, and they've got a diagram here showing how uh, they all, you know, interconnect. Um, mm. And how Clicks, uh, the Clicks browser, which of course is what they're promoting, um, and by the way, I like Clicks. It's my it's now my fallback browser uh, behind Safari because it's always never rely on having only one browser, people. Never, ever rely on only having one browser. You'll always run into something that doesn't want to work. Um, the Clicks browser is, is um, you know, uh, tied to is based on Firefox. It's built off the Firefox uh, Mozilla engine, um, and they're showing themselves here to be, you know, on the way, way outer circle of dependence. But um, so, uh, so a browser is that the internet? Oh, yes. sorry, no, that's what everyone at church says to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but it, it's interesting. Uh, obviously, it's about Android, so there's no mention of Safari or various other WebKit-based. Uh, Browsers. It says it follows the antitrust decision taken by the European Union in July 2018, which obliged mm. them to pay a record fine of $4.34 billion. Mm. Uh, Euros, that is, sorry, $5 yeah. billion. Well, give or take. Um, yeah. It's a little bit like the, it is a little bit like the old Microsoft antitrust thing, wasn't it, ages ago, mm. where, where they were accused of only offering Microsoft. Or was, or was it Safari? No, they were accused of, yeah, only offering, only offering Internet Explorer. That was it, yes, yeah. That was because at the time, they, they for a short period, they actually tied Internet Explorer into the OS. It the was, OS, yeah. they did. It was the yeah. main rendering engine for everything on the OS, wasn't it? Yeah, well, they were using it in, in, in effect for the um, File Explorer. They, repl yes. re they replaced yeah. um, Microsoft File Explorer with IE. Well, they've got this new browser coming out soon, haven't they? The that's based on the Chromium engine. Well, it's Edge. They do. They're still calling it Edge, but they're dropping yeah. their own engine and going with Chromium. Yeah. Oh right, I didn't know that. Yeah, the Microsoft yeah. Edge, which is a very strange thing to be doing, really. I, I don't, I don't get that at all. 
I really mm. don't get I, it. I, I'm going to say I do because it they're, basically, if you think about it, Google is setting the standard for the internet in a lot of ways. And I think the example that Microsoft gave was um, when you were watching YouTube, the Edge has like what's uh, this, there's probably people that are screaming at me saying this is a rubbish explanation, which it is. But there was like a rendering engine which went through the GPU. So if you're on a page, you could use the GPU instead of the CPU, which saves battery. And I think it was the tipping point as I gave an example was you could be in YouTube, but when they used to have all these annotations in pop-up cards, it was like an invisible div, which meant that Edge didn't detect it or render it properly. So it then fall back onto the CPU then absolutely peg the CPU. And because, you know, most these days, most more and more people as well, we've said are watching YouTube, they were just going, Google will just write and change things to suit their own needs. And you're always playing catch up if you're Microsoft. So I think it sounds like it's like, right, if we're not working on this, we can be working on something else. We hope. Well, I, from, from my point of view, Mark, I mean, you know, it, it, Microsoft's business is their own affair, but, you know, for a major, you know, a major um, player in, in the, you know, OS, it seems very odd to be saying we're going to chuck in our own, um, you know, browser effort and, and basically buy one from Google. It just doesn't, it doesn't. Well, it, it, it depends. Like if you're, I mean, let's, let's face it, Edge has never really been a contender for a browser for years, since Windows 10, really, because it's, because it's always edge was only really there to deal with legacy which then they killed off with internet explorer 11 or 12 and then went on to edge and i think they just sort of realized that the sheer effort it's taking just to keep up and not innovate and push anything forward is they've just gone well why do we need to do that one why are we reinventing the wheel well, so i, mean, I suppose it, it is possible that they've just decided that they should have their own browser but yeah you know that they're not really doing anything and actually almost nobody uses it. I don't know, but you know, I mean, at one time your browser was the differentiator, wasn't it? I mean, there were often sites that you couldn't even access if you hadn't got internet Explorer. Yeah. But those days are long gone. Yeah, that that is true. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess may, maybe Microsoft are aware that almost nobody uses Edge and it's just not worth the effort. And yeah, they just yeah, it's possibly slow and it's a memory hog in closing a tab and just trying to well, need to do anything. And you're it. telling me you're telling me Chromium isn't. Uh, I, well, I, to be honest, I don't understand half the browser battles, if I'm honest. I mean, I just use stock Safari with a couple of ad blockers. And the only thing that I have to go into Chrome for is when I'm working with Shopify and one particular mod doesn't support this particular version of Safari. Well, I, I, I admit, you know, I I basically use Safari on the Mac and, well, I use the, you know, tech preview and um, the, uh, the Safari on iOS. Um, and on the Mac, I always have a fallback at the moment. My fallback is Clicks, um, previously Vivaldi. Um, and I usually keep a copy of Firefox just in case. Um, so what we do know about Microsoft is that they've done a lot of good things <laughs> of late. And they've done a lot of things to, to cooperate with other, other software writers and other companies. Uh, and perhaps this is just the next step, as yeah. you say. Perhaps they just feel that actually having their own browser is no longer necessary, or at least that 
sorry, not having their own browser, but having a browser built on their own technology is no longer necessary. Well, yeah, I mean, the only the only downside of that is that now effectively there are what you've not got that many engines. You've got yes, you've got Chromium, WebKit, WebKit, and Gecko, and that's um, that's all there is. Um, but there we it's go. One I mean, those, it's one of those cyclic things, though, isn't it? That we'll probably find that there's only a few for a while, and then suddenly something new will come along. Oh, someone, someone will come up with a new one. Yeah. Um, let us remember Opera. God bless you, Opera. <laughs> there we are. Um, so there we go. Yeah. There's um, there's a link there to the piece from Clicks, which shows the interdependencies of uh, Android browsers, which is quite interesting. Um, mm. Russia has apparently blocked uh, Proton Mail. Um, this was on databreaches.net. Um, the immediate comments in our Slack room, by the way, were, well, it must be good then. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true, yeah. yeah. If Russia want to block it, um, there's not really much more to say about that. Um, Russia have been attempting to block Proton Mail. Uh, the Russian federal authorities have directed internet service providers across the country to block access to Proton Mail and encrypted email service. Um Oh, this again, this one's not in the show notes, but it came up in the week. Um, I think this was on VPN Pro as well. Uh, Russia has been issuing um, various VPN companies with a demand that they hand over logs or encryption keys or something. Um, and basically, uh, the top 10, uh, it's mentioned on VPN Pro, you can look it up, have all basically replied, you can get stuffed. <laughs> That's not really very surprising, is it? Uh, no, not really. Uh, one uh, or one of two of them have basically said, "Well, there's nothing we can give you," and the rest of them have said, "Even if we had anything, we're not giving it to you, so you can bog off." Um, <laughs> Proton weren't mentioned, so I did actually send a uh, uh, an email to Proton VPN saying, "Have you received one of these? And if so, what are you doing about it?" And they sent me a reply saying, we have not received one of these uh, demands, but if we do, uh, we wouldn't comply with it because we only comply with uh, legal requests directly from the Swiss authorities. So, oh, Fair enough. Um, there we are. Um, that's that, really. Uh, apparently, some Chinese sanitation workers now have to wear location tracking bracelets. Um, this was on The Verge. Um, and apparently, not only do these bracelets um, tell, uh, you know, the Chinese authorities where these workers are, uh, apparently if they, stop, if they stop for more than 20, if they stay still for more than 20 minutes, they would tell them to get back to work. Um, apparently, <laughs> there was an outcry, um, apparently, and public pressure mounted to the point that the local sanitation company decided to walk things back, but only by removing the most obnoxious part and now the bracelets will no longer say, please continue working if a worker decides to stay in one place. Um, but they will track workers just the same. Um, there we go. Again, not much to say about that. Um, I, I yeah. don't know. What does it mean by sanitation workers? What, bin men, you know, or people who are working down sewers? I mean, if it, I have to say, I'd be honest, if I was... Um, you know, somebody who worked down a sewer or something. Yeah, I, you might want to be tracked then. <laughs> I might not be. I might not be too unhappy about uh, you know my um, you know my employers knowing where I was um, in case something happened. Um, I think it's more like the the like the people that walk around going emptying bins and all that sort. Yes, of stuff. I think that's probably yeah, it. Probably. And if they stop for if yeah. they apparently stay still for more than twenty minutes, it was going to tell them please get back to work. But um, apparently they've removed that, but no more. 
Um, well, it's China. You know, China can do what China wants China to do. China does what China it does. does. Yeah. Mm. Um, it, it's, it, it, also, it's easy to um, generate a lot of false outrage about that sort of thing. I mean, let's face it, in this country, most delivery men, um, you know, lorry drivers, and so are tracked all the time. Their vehicles are tracked. Yeah, um, that's true. I mean, when you buy something from Amazon these days, you can see where they are. You know, I mean, um, my son-in-law... When, when they're about eight, eight, eight stops before you, it tells you exactly where they are. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, my son-in-law drives a, a delivery van, you know, for a living. And, of course, you know, he's got a GPS tracker so that, um, uh, you know, when he's out, everybody, you know, everybody knows where his van is. And when he's, um, when he's on the supervisory role, he can see where all of his, you know, all of his delivery vans are. Yeah. And, of course, if somebody breaks down... Uh, he can see they've stopped moving, and he can ring them and say, "Is there a problem? You know, what's happened? Why? Why have you stopped moving?" Although I suppose you could say there is some. There's a, a level of dif- difference in the fact that you, they're tracking a vehicle rather than tracking an individual. But but yeah, but then again, if you're a street sweeper, you're not going to have a vehicle to track, eh? <laughs> <laughs> you can have it on your bins. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, there we go. Um, but yeah, I mean that's China becoming ever more oppressive, perhaps, but. Um, I don't know. As I say, it's easy to generate an awful lot of false outrage about something which might or might not really be that big a deal. Um, Yeah. And I think we're probably pretty much done. Um, Just a snippet. Apple have patented a system to help self-driving cars correct slipping tyres, according to the Motor Authority, just to prove that Project Titan is not doing, you know, nothing, chaps. A new patent revolves around detecting speed and behaviour of the self-driving car's tyres. Well, it's a a, sort of semi-AI traction control, one would... uh, Yeah, I would think so. uh, It's on Motor Authority. The link's in the show notes. I've just put that down as a snippet because I'm not really going to go into great depth about how that works. So I suppose we should uh, sign off, really, don't you? We have been going quite a long time. So, uh, Nick... uh, have you anything you wish to promote? Uh, you can hear me roundabout um, <laughs> on various podcasts. I, I was on, uh, as I say, with Bart on his Let's Talk Apple last week. Uh, the week before, I got for the first time on um, the uh, My Mac podcast. So uh, that was nice because uh, Guy was away and uh, uh, and Gaz was playing, as it were. So, so that was nice to speak with him. Uh, you can hear me about there. And uh, if you want to contact me, you can contact me through Twitter. It's uh, Spligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. Jolly good. Uh, Mark? Uh, you can get me on the Twitter at Ocean Speed, and uh, I'm going to be releasing my YouTube video soon. Uh, don't get excited. It's a bit enough, but I'm trying to... I've got an idea for a bit of a YouTube channel, so you can follow me at Ocean Speed, or I will probably more likely announce it on Essential Apple as well, just because I can shield myself, so why not? <laughs> uh, and that's about it, and hopefully in the next two weeks, I'll be doing the Car 10, which is Car Tenby, if I can get a ticket, because some doofus, i.e. me, forgot that it was on early and then after that i'll be cycling in birmingham so uh, if you're on strava let me know and uh, i'll follow you back very good um i am of course on the twitters as at serenak and that's s-e-r-e-n-a-k um 
And I think that's probably about all. Uh, once again, uh, thank you to Nemo. Thank you to everybody in the Slack room. Um, if you want to join the Slack room, follow the link. Um, and I think that will do. So goodbye, everybody. Cheerio. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, Or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club podcast, the geekiest show ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Bouchotts and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcast, and take a listen. Amazon, Google, Apple, Android, iOS, Alexa, Siri, Technology, sci-fi, video games, tablets, computers, flash drives, toys, weather, and general silliness. Geekiest show ever, every week on the MyMac Podcasting Network. Essential Apple Podcast. Goodbye and thank you for listening. Oh no. That sounds a little bit like early programming where, you know, you typed it in from a magazine and there was always at least four or five errors in it somewhere. I never understood how to do that because it always wanted these funky characters. When I tried it on my first Specky, I never knew how to get the, the weird characters up. Oh, you needed about 16 fingers on the Specky, didn't yeah. you? Uh, and, then, and then, God forbid, with those lovely, lovely rubber keys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, those were the days. I, I thought it was absolutely amazing some of the things they achieved. I remember buying an early, um, now, was this my BBC Master? Do you remember they had the BBC Micro? Yep. And they had a, lat- a later one called the BBC Master, which I think had a bit more memory and stuff. I remember I remember using a, a desktop publishing thing on it, and it literally just had to load bits of it as, as required, you know. But I just thought it was amazing. They actually managed to do all sorts of different things for desktop publishing just in this one program. I, I thought it was amazing, considering how little they had to play with. Oh, if you want to be really amazed, go on to YouTube and look for a demo called Bad Apple, or uh, I'll put a link into it now. Bad so Apple. it's basically like a uh, like demo scene programming sort of thing. Oh right, yeah. And I watched it and I thought this is really good, and you know, obviously it's on a PC and all that sort of stuff. And then there's the Amiga version, then there's the Atari STE version, then you get into the weird stuff like the Commodore sixty four version, but then. Then 
the Atari VCS 2600 has a version. Oh, gosh. Looking at it and you're just going, this is just flipping amazing. Like, <laughs> they, you know, they're doing like pretty much full um, 25 frames per second, I think it is. The music is absolutely amazing. Uh, I'll put a link in the uh, in the chat room in a sec. Uh, where is it? But it, it was just, I was I literally spent the weekend just watching the same demo, but just on different hardware. <laughs> yes. Yes. And amazing what they could do with 1K. 